I'll normally spend 12 hours editing a one-hour show. That's because you recorded it out of order. Uh. <laughs> Can we shoot sequentially, please? Like a, like a high mouth, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, welcome back to another episode of 1980s. Now, a weekly examination of the importance of 1980s pop culture and its influence today. My name's Will, and joining me, as always, are my friends and co-hosts, Kat and John. Hi, guys. Hello. Good to be uh, here. Taking a deep breath. Everyone else out there. Seriously, it was this. It was the jazz hands now. Mm-hmm. I gotta do a you sit out. up every now and then or something. <laughs> Exhausted. I'm a little concerned. Well, <laughs> hey, today we Check are your iron <laughs> level. <laughs> hey, our, our our podcast episode today is coming to you live as we stream on Facebook and YouTube simultaneously, or it was recorded mm-hmm. before a live audience. Mm-hmm. That's what we're doing. See, now I say that now anything happens or I don't wind up editing the show, editing the show. Mm-hmm. That's fine. It's mm-hmm. expected with live programming, right? Well, you're hoping I for think it. You're- you're probably also trying to keep us on our best behavior. I'm no, guessing. no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, again, like I said before we started recording, I never want to try to make you guys anything that you are not. Yeah. I didn't get that memo, cat. Yes. You, no. Oh. no. <laughs> However you are, it's just my job to then do whatever. And wow. Hey, on our, <laughs> do whatever, That's like leave specific. the shirt, like storm off. <laughs> Hey, on and today's show, we're going to be for his crap you do. We're going to be talking about the 1980s <laughs> films that featured aliens, you know, those that, that terrified us, that warmed our hearts, those that had us watching the skies in our sketchy neighbors next next door. <laughs> that guy's a lizard person. I know it. I just know it. <laughs> but also, I want to share with you uh, at least one. There's just so many, but I want to show you one one true tale of uh, UFO sightings that was a pretty big uh, incident uh, in the 1980s as well. Right. Mm. But before that, we're going to review current news stories related to 1980s media, including an 80s star had a great night at the Academy Awards. Well, John mm-hmm. had a bad one. Not true. Mm. Wait, what? <laughs> Roadhouse reboot gets real. The E.T. keepsake mm-hmm. Drew Barrymore still cherishes and Steven mm-hmm. Spielberg's theory about the recent UFO sightings. There you mm-hmm. go. It's all connected. Uh, there's time codes in the show notes if you'd like to skip around. Hey, I've got a couple of, no, I've got at least one. I've just got one. I've got one announcement. Mm-hmm. Hey, this week, March 23rd through March 26th, come down to Lexington, Kentucky uh, and say hi, because I'll be uh, there at the uh, convention, the Lexington Comic Convention. It's at the, I just wrote it down, where is it? Central Bank Center. Mm-hmm. But if you don't want to see me, there's any number of celebrities that you can see there, including Anson Mount's going to be there. Oh. Love it. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's going to be, uh, my name is Earl Reunion, Jason Lee, Jamie Presley, or Ethan Suppley, which coincides with a Mall Rats reunion, because add uh, two of those folks with oh. Kevin Smith, Jason Mewes, and Jeremy London, and you've got a big portion of the cast there, but there's, mm-hmm. both Raimis will be there, Sam and his more popular brother, <laughs> Ted. Now, if Anson Mount is there, are, yeah. are you going to get a photo op and do dueling bouffants? I, I would like to see that oh, picture. Yeah, you know, I, should, I, I will. I, I like should it. do that. I'll say I, I'm in the you Anson Mount it and, uh, hair club. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think you'd get a kick out of that. Uh, anyway, voice actors, wrestling legends, iconic comic creators, including Bob Hall and Jim Starlin and many, many more. I'll be there hanging out with my friend who's a voice actor, Yuri Lowenthal. He'll be signing autographs and I'll be the guy saying, look, there's Yuri Lowenthal. <laughs> <laughs> So if you could find everybody Yuri, needs a hype man. <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to be the guy doing the hype. Exactly. So I'll uh, come say hello. Uh, this uh, Thursday through Sunday, March 23rd through 26th at the Lexington comic mm-hmm. convention. All right. That's mm-hmm. all of that. So, Hey, you know what that means? Let's get caught up on 1980s. News. Which means I need the right paper. I don't need that. And I don't need that. Uh-oh. Okay. Might need some for crumpling hmm. too. Actually, not, not, not tonight, tonight, I'm sure. <laughs> no, no paper crumpling tonight. Right? Well, I've been looking, you know, you, what you're bringing up is how I usually often talk about these just bullshit pop culture websites like a giant freaking mm-hmm. robot. And yeah. I have been keeping an eye mm-hmm. on them lately right. to see if there's any stories to, oh. necessary to bring to your attention that we can then, you know, uh, Thank you. clarify, you know. Mm-hmm. Some discard mm-hmm. immediately. Yes. Right. Well, it <laughs> seems like they've been on, you know, I don't want to say their best behavior, but uh, more on the up and up, let's say. <laughs> Not mm. like us on our worst behavior. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they still got <laughs> clickbaity type headlines, but 
but still. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you know, need clicks. Yeah. Anyway, hey, as reported by CBS <laughs> News, Gen X Kid wins big at Oscars. With additional reporting by 1980s uh, uh, mm-hmm. now, Gen X grown up host remains baffled. <laughs> That's. Oh. I just report the news. I've been unfairly Speaking mischaracterized. Of legitimate news sources. <laughs> hey, Kiwi Kwan, look, Marcus is chiming in. He said John hates that guy. He knows. He See? Knows. He's, he's believing your travel. garbage. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Kiwi Kwan, oh. so look. All right. Get it in out. Spite of, <laughs> in spite of what. In spite of what John John's said, himself. He's like, oh. the Academy saw fit to award Kiwi Kwan the best supporting actor at this year's Academy Awards for his role as Waymond Wang in Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, a film that we all enjoyed. Um, what mm-hmm. was super cool was after collecting his award, uh, Kwan went to the press room where he gushed about his Goonies brothers, as he said, who had Aww. called him right before his big night to wish him luck. He said, uh, quote, right before uh-huh. this night started, Corey Feldman, one of my Goonies brothers, called Ahead of the ceremony, we are always bonded. We're family forever. Goonies never say die. I still don't know what to make of that dead fish, though. <laughs> so there you go. Yes. Huh. <sighs> I'm happy he won. It's just, can we all yep. just accept uh-huh. the fact that he might not have been oh. the very best supporting actor, but we really wanted uh-huh. him to win because he's adorable and he's lovable okay. and he's a national treasure. I'm yeah. okay with that. If we can just accept that might be okay. a factor. That's all. I guess that's <laughs> this is pretty close to what you originally said, I suppose. I think he was great in that role, but right. it wasn't like, where's the damn Oscar? Like I did walk out mad. He didn't have an award yet. I'm just like, oh great. Yeah. Is it just mm-hmm. me or was it exactly. an amazing performance and I'm just have my head up my ass? We now have an answer to that question. <laughs> So it was an amazing performance, and I yes. was also correct there you go. You in got my it. assessment. Mm-hmm. Of course, Quan's first role as a child actor was as short round in 1984's Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, and it was just a year later that he appeared in The Goonies as Dita. But as we've talked about once before on the show, by the early 2000s, despite his childhood successes, he had all but disappeared from Hollywood. Of course, he, we learned he was working behind the scenes. He was doing stunt coordinating and, like, I think, second unit directing. Mm-hmm. But with everything mm-hmm. everywhere all at once, he finally got an opportunity to give acting another shot. And boy, oh boy, did it pay off. Oh, yes. Uh, as uh, Quan cried Sunday night while accepting his uh, first Academy oh. Award, former oh Goonies stars posted fond memories, words of encouragement, and more. Uh, mm-hmm. Sean Astin, who played Mikey, of course. Uh, oh, well, John wouldn't know that. Quit played Mikey alongside Quan. He's kind of the main protagonist of the film. John's John. not going to know heard. any of this. Okay. <laughs> I've well, heard. Well, <laughs> he wrote on Twitter... Always with dignity, grace, loyalty, hope, and hope, joy, and inspiration, a forever moment key. I'm so happy, proud, and over the moon. Congratulations, well earned. Aww. Uh, and as, as uh, Kathy uh, on uh, Facebook here points out, uh, Jeff Cohen mm-hmm. was also there. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Jeff Cohen, who is now an entertainment lawyer, including one of his and one of his clients is, is Kiwi Kwan. Yeah. Uh, he also played Chunk in the Goonies. He was a, a kid in the like one of the best friends of the group, John. He wore like the Hawaiian type shirt. He would do this thing called mm-hmm. the truffle shuffle where they truffle would. Truffle shuffle. Yes. Yeah. Again, embarrass himself. I'm familiar oh. with the truffle. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Just, Somehow, you know, <laughs> for a guy who's never seen it, you know a lot about it. Because people won't shut up about it. That's why. <laughs> I'm just reporting the news. <laughs> with zero slant or bias as no, we've seen exactly. evidence here. Exactly. <laughs> I am not a giant freaking robot. John Mm-mm. also hates those guys, says Marcus. Yeah. <laughs> Might as well be asking uh, him about music. But uh, Jeff Cohen <laughs> said, kudos to the iconic Michelle Yao and my brother Kiwi Kwan on their remo- remarkable and well-deserved Oscar wins. <sighs> Congratulations, Kiwi. Yeah. And if it, it wasn't cool enough. Now, look, they, I don't remember. What is the uh, organization that's supposed to take the uh, tally, the votes, and put them in an envelope and seal it? No one's supposed to know until they give it to the presenter. You know what I'm talking about? Right. There's like someone mm-hmm. and someone. It's like a two-named mm-hmm. firm, yeah. accounting firm. Is it okay. like a law firm or something, right? Do we cheat them how? Yes, exactly. So those folks, but the Academy must know, right? Because they just, either they sure. just get, oh, yeah. they have right. to, they know. for programming yeah. purposes. Mm-hmm. Well, even mm-hmm. if they don't know the votes, they know the, the way things were going, going into the vote probably. So they, okay. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, tend, I tend to want to believe mm-hmm. that they do not know the final results from the law yeah. firm, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. you know, they know, they know which way the wind's blowing, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because it seems like moments like this are crafted, right? Because in addition to those, uh, you know, cool moments where he got these messages from his uh, brothers, as he said, 
Yes. He was also celebrated by his Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom uh, co-star Harrison Ford, who presented the award for best picture to right? everything, everywhere, yeah. all at once. Mm-hmm. Come on, mm-hmm. happenstance? I mean, kismet karma? Come on, no, it's some producer, <laughs> yep. right, that knows. Uh, Ford and Love the- it. Ford presented the cast and directors at the award and embraced Quan when he went on stage. An excited Quan jumped up and down before appearing to kiss Ford on the cheek. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Did you see the like, memes of the, you know, young, you know, the short oh, mm-hmm. side guy. by oh, side. Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Feel emotions. Oh, yes. Next to each other. Yep. I mean, what? Mm. Yep. I know we talked about so it. So saccharine. At length. <laughs> You're so cynical. You say I'm cynical. <laughs> I was going to say. Oh, it's just in this case. Mm-hmm. I, I, congratulations. That's all I'm done. What is it that you have against him? <laughs> Nothing against him. Just no one will acknowledge. No, that no one. He won, it's a, it was a popularity vote because he's yeah. amazing and adorable. Not necessarily mm-hmm. because yeah, look, well. everybody wants him to win. Everybody wanted him to win. I'm glad he won because I wanted him to win. Just not for the reasons that other people win Oscars. John, no one has ever wielded a fanny pack the way that Kiwi won. <laughs> oh, did. Uh, that was a, cra- oh yeah, my that's gosh. a great scene, yeah. That was amazing. And also- mm-hmm. um, That was great, yep. We, we yep. Craig is saying- like your Ninja Turtles. Um, his wife is saying Price Waterhouse. Oh yeah, Price Waterhouse. There it is. Yeah, that's the answer that's to it. that yeah, question, yeah. yep. Yep. Oh, and Marcus <laughs> also says, John is never this mean. Never this mean. Oh, it's John Prime. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I'm one of the other ones. Remember getting the real John? You heard about. It must be getting the real John. Uh, in other 1980s news, and as reported by The Independent, a bulked up Jake Gyllenhaal made a surprise appearance at UFC 285. Mm-hmm. So I, I just, just so you guys know, before I read this story, I saw the videos and I was so confused. Mm-hmm. I, for, I, I couldn't uh-huh. understand like why this situation was happening. I'm still confused. Okay. Well, Even let me after tell watching you. and reading. Yes. So, me too. I mean, I bulked yeah. up during the pandemic and yeah. nobody did articles about me. <laughs> so wait, are you, uh, are you saying you don't have your pandemic abs anymore? Or? <laughs> yeah, correct. Okay. Uh. Oh, man. Dan's chiming in saying, nice to catch you live. Enjoy what you're doing. It's very late, late here in the UK. But a pic of Diana from V? Yeah, oh, me up. up. Right. Ooh, I know, right? Yeah. I remember as a kid having such mixed emotions about her. <laughs> oh, when that show came on. She's a lizard, but she's yeah. cute. But <laughs> I liked her until she ate that rodent. Uh, so what happened is an extremely bulked up Jake Gyllenhaal surprises the crowd at UFC uh, on Friday, March 3rd. At the weigh-in, uh, for so the the, the actual fight that's mm-hmm. to, to go on that weekend is John Jones versus Cyril Gain in mm-hmm. Las Vegas. But at the weigh-in is Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, <laughs> but it turns out he hasn't left acting for mixed martial arts, which is what I thought when I saw just the clips. I was like, I, right, I yeah, what? what's he doing weigh-in? Right, <laughs> yes. It turns out he was he was filming a scene for his new film because, as we've talked about before, he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, playing the uh, main what, the character, main character. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 1989's Roadhouse remake, you know, the okay. movie which originally starred Patrick uh, Swayze and taught yes. us that how, just how vulnerable our throats are. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's the first time you thought, oh, I don't have to punch someone in the face. I could just rip out their larynx. Ugh. I'll do that from now on. <laughs> They're what? Larynx. Larynx. What? Larynx. Larynx? <laughs> One of those is correct, so you can move on. Oh, You'll come on. You got to tell me now. Larynx. Hey, wait, hey, larynx. Larynx, yes. Larynx. 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 Oh, larynx. I, had to, I had to touch it to remember. <laughs> larynx. Uh, so I think Larynx was the next door neighbor on Three's Company, you're thinking yeah. of. Oh. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> A sketchy neighbor you got to keep an eye on. Uh, Gyllenhaal stars in the film alongside former UFC fighters Jay Horan and uh, Conor McGregor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gyllenhaal shouted at the crowd while standing on the scales and after Huron's uh, uh, character was weighed, Gyllenhaal slapped his co-star. Which again, it's, it's, it's like, like the Oscars again. <laughs> right. <laughs> In March, another March slap. Huron uh-huh. oh. uh, later revealed that while the, the slap, which was Gyllenhaal's idea was planned, it was real. Quote, he went for it, wow. no doubt. That wasn't no stunt slap. He went for it. That's what would, That's what was great about it. We talked about it before, and he's super respectful. 
Uh-huh. Never heard a guy more gracious about being slapped in the face. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, it's one MMA it's fighter. Wonderful. You know, it's taken up. He's an MMA fighter, so I guess mm-hmm. being slapped it by neck like public. Nothing. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I was like, is there a fly on me? Yeah, oh, exactly. Jake Gyllenhaal slapped me. <laughs> While being interviewed in character, the Nightcrawler actor said of his opponent, this fucker just makes me laugh because he's a fucking joke. Let's go. Just give me the belt. Just give it to me. Hand it to me. In response, Horan's <laughs> mm-hmm. character said, I promise you that's the one and only hit you get. I'm putting you to sleep tomorrow night. Ah. Um, <laughs> then on to make it more confusing to make again, because before mm-hmm. I read the story, this is all I was seeing on, mm-hmm. on that Saturday, March 4th, those gathered in the arena, arena there to see an actual fight. Mm-hmm. See, instead, I don't, I don't know how they were introduced. I don't know if the audience knew they were filming the movie or not, because <laughs> it, it looks real based on the clips that you're mm-hmm. seeing. But uh, these, this audience winds up becoming extras in this film because Gyllenhaal is brought in, you know, introduced. Not, I don't think it's Gyllenhaal as his character. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, Huron's uh, brought in, and they fight. <laughs> really? <laughs> <Yes>. Okay. <laughs> And even though it's staged, uh, Huron again confirmed that some of the punches really landed. And they had talked ahead of time and said, if, it, if, if that's what happens, that's what happens. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is a live <laughs> teaser trailer for this forthcoming film. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> like we're crazy. getting to see a little scene from it, kind of, but yeah. in real time. That's kind of interesting. They're trying to get people really on board because they know some people might be hesitant to see a remake. Might be yeah. opposed to it somehow. <laughs> I guess thinking yep. about the original Roadhouse, uh, I remember the, the Dalton character played by Patrick Swayze, at least what I remember. Mm-hmm. He comes in, he's quiet. He has this backstory. You're not sure what it is. You know, we later, later learned that he's killed somebody ripping out their throat mm. and um, <laughs> whatever. But, but I don't remember. I remember liking him pretty quickly. This sounds like Jake Gyllenhaal's version of this character is going to be kind of an asshole. Like we're going to be taught early on to mm. not like him. Oh, and then mm-hmm. he's got some work to do, I guess, to earn our, you know, uh, our respect, etc. <laughs> and the audience, you know, right. the characters rather. <laughs> I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. What's up, John? <laughs> yeah, he's. So I'm seeing Marcus in the comments say, "I'd pay twenty dollars to see Will give John a how do you do? <laughs> <laughs> how do you do? <laughs> Is that a Southern expression?" I was going to ask what the do? how do you do? I think he wants me to. He wants <laughs> you to punch me. Is what I'm hearing. <laughs> using context clues. Well, you know, I don't know where the larynx is. Go for the larynx. Larynx. <laughs> the Lorax. The I thought you go for the Lorax. Go for the Lorax. Go for the Lorax. The trees. Hit him in the trees. Because <laughs> oh, no. uh, even in a staged fight, uh, you could see that he's being pushed, Gyllenhaal's character is being pushed away mm. from after he defeats his opponent and he's still mm. hit, striking him and kicking him while he's on the floor. So again, he's set up to be kind of a, the villain of sorts, I guess, and then going to win our hearts. Kind of a Ow. jerk. Mm-hmm. Anyway, right. there you go. All right. So, hey, in other mm-hmm. 1980s news, as reported by The mm-hmm. Hollywood Reporter, Drew Barrymore revealed the E.T. E.T. keepsake most important to her. This is a live show. All this is going in. <laughs> All the <fun>. <laughs> <laughs> Drew Barrymore revealed that her most prized possession, uh, that she, she keeps it in her dressing room, and it features her as a child star alongside... Oscar-winning director Steven Spielberg. Aww. Of course, uh, speaking of aliens, which we're going to do in just a little moment here, she played Gertie, uh, the little sister of Elliot, played by Henry mm-hmm. Thomas, in the mm-hmm. f- film that Spielberg directed, yes. E.T., the extraterrestrial. But you guys knew that already. Mm-hmm. You saw yes. that movie. That's what I've it? seen. Okay. I ho- oh. Definitely seen that one. Oh, yeah. Thank goodness. <laughs> you remember the dead fish scene in that one? Right? Not necessarily. There was Everything a dead alien at one point. Yeah. Ooh, Ooh, yes. yeah. <laughs> Too uh, soon? Sorry. <laughs> that that, that is, when you're a kid and you see that, that was pretty tough. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We did a backtrack about E.T. on its anniversary, maybe last year, the year before, whatever it was. Okay. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. 22. Uh, yeah. And, and I remember uh, Drew Barrymore has only amazing memories from working uh, on that film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mm-hmm. saw it in this article. She reiterated that, but yes. And Spielberg yeah. really treated her not like any other actress, but almost like a, like a daughter, like a parent figure kind of thing. And yeah. kind mm-hmm. of nurtured her through, you know, her, her role. And mm-hmm. yeah, I just, it's, it's charming. So it's, it, yeah. it's, it's cool that she remembers it so fondly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she looked at him that way too. She wrote, she said, uh, quote, not having a dad, not having that kind of relationship with anyone. He was just so good and nurturing and kind. Mm-hmm. We still have a really wonderful relationship. I thank him because had he not chosen me, I think mm-hmm. my life would be really different. It's mm-hmm. crazy when you can really trace it back to that someone. 
Yeah. That is kind of wild, huh? Yeah. Huh. I, I, I thought that was interesting. I think that was true for, for Kiwi as well. Um, because wasn't he chosen yeah. by Steven Spielberg? Right. Yeah. And over his brother. Remember his brother his was brother. the one. Over right. the brother. Oh, exactly. Over the brother. Yeah. Oh, they should have cut to his brother in the audience. He's just fuming. The only guy angrier than John about this whole thing. I don't know. Angela Bassett looked pretty angry. <laughs> she might take the cake. <laughs> During a, a recent interview on the late show with Stephen Colbert, uh, Spielberg mm-hmm. said, for the most part, E.T. is a perfect movie. So, huh. quote, it's one of the few movies I've made that I can look back at again and again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's probably true. I know they tried to tweak it for that at uh, some point. They did some, I hope that's not the, mm-hmm. that's not the canonical version now, is it? I think they went back to the original. They they undid oh, it, right? The thing where they replaced all of the guns with walkie talkies yeah. and all that oh. craziness. Yeah, they, they reverted that. And they added some yeah, CGI but... uh, uh, ETs running around and stuff like that too. Oh, well, what they did finally <laughs> fix in the final cut, thankfully, was not changing of any content or adding you know, CGI ET, but fixing yeah. like um, composite problems of the kids and the okay. bicycles going oh. in front of the moon. We're like, okay. you could, you yeah. can see print through because mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the technology wasn't there. Right. They just mm-hmm. fixed stuff. They didn't like Lucas it up and put a bunch of crazy, you know, <laughs> extra characters and crap in it. Yeah. So it's right. Yeah. Right. That's the version I watched recently. And it's, it's the way I remember it. Just right. a teensy bit better with some of the effects that are a little cleaner. Oh, cool. Right. Oh, good. Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember the, I remember in that redo where you said they replaced the guns. The opening scene was much longer where they had different mm-hmm. shots of E.T. in the forest, et cetera. And oh, it really? Clearly, it was completely like a Jabba the Hutt type, uh, you know, a special mm-hmm. edition version. It was like- Oh, like Rakiz is chasing him through the woods kind of thing, that deal? Yeah. And, and yeah, yeah. And it's a CGI E.T. at times. It's some oh, shots. Yeah. It was bad. Yeah. Good. Good. It's yeah. gone. Good. When you said yep. that Spielberg thought it was a perfect movie, John went, mm. and I wondered- what that was about. Oh. He did a little head tilt. <laughs> oh no, that was, that was a positive. Hmm. Like I could see that. Like a, hmm. oh, okay. hmm. that right. wasn't a, hmm. that was I a, hmm. it was, wasn't sure if it was a descent. <laughs> it's if you go up or down, up or down, you go hmm, down or you go hmm, up. It's different. Oh, so. it was hmm. hmm. <laughs> or you just do that. You never know. Hmm. Speaking, however, of um, a good hmm, in the sense that uh, Spielberg was a nurturing father to her on the set of E.T. In October of last mm-hmm. year, Barrymore revealed that she thought her alien co-star was real. Oh, uh, Keep in mind, she was yeah. seven years old when she starred in the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in an interview with her co-stars, uh, Henry Thomas and Dee Wallace and uh, Robert uh, McNaughton, Barrymore mm-hmm. said she would talk to and care for the animatronic puppet, again, believing oh. it was real, and, quote, bring him lunch. Oh, <laughs> um, Reese's Pieces, maybe. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, Dee Wallace, of course, who played the matriarch mm-hmm. of the family, recalled that she found Barrymore talking with E.T. And so she let uh, director Spielberg know. And uh, Wallace says, quote, and so Stephen, from that time on, appointed two guys to keep E.T. alive. So oh. whenever you came over to talk to him, he would react to you. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh, so, oh. so many feelings. The one thing I remember about about Barrymore in that is I remember that her um, her oh give me a break line yeah. where they're saying there's an alien that was her that was no. improvised that wasn't in the script that was that was the personality of her as a little girl mm-hmm. and I'm like Spielberg is like I'm not going to beat that with something scripted we're using that yeah. they just kept it oh. <laughs> I was always wondering about a lot of that because I mean either she's a fantastic performer or they just let her be a kid. Sure. You know, yeah. interacting yeah. with this creature. Well, that's what a good director does. He finds what a, what talent does well and yeah. just lets them do that. Right. Mm-hmm. Don't try to yeah. steamroll it. And in her case, she just had all this natural charm. Yeah. And I think Spielberg just mm-hmm. let her be her. And, and plus she's became a talented actress as well. But at that age, mm-hmm. you know, who knows? Right. So Kathy so says, cute. ET yeah. was good for Bar- Drew Barrymore. It was all downhill after that. Oh, oh. well, there's been some uphill. Right? Yeah, certainly. Oh, look, she's, I mean, she became a producer, a director. She's got her own TV show now. Yeah. Uh, oh, Kathy yeah I'd like to have like, her downhill trajectory. That'd be fun. Right. <laughs> Kathy right. also says her boyfriend. I would show Letterman. I, I would flash Letterman if that's what it got me. No problem. Oh. <laughs> Was this pre pandemic or post pandemic? Uh, um, either one. Yeah. Either Fine one. with me. Here you go, Letterman. Show him your Lorax. <laughs> Sing. Love it. Uh, and finally, go, speaking of, finally, in 1980s news, and speaking of Steven Spielberg and our topic today, Spielberg responds to mm-hmm. contemporary UFO sightings. In addition to mm-hmm. E.T., Spielberg, as we know, has directed 
other films featuring aliens, including Close Encounters of the Third mm -hmm. Kind in, in oh, 77. Wow. Oh, yeah. And uh, War of the Worlds more recently in 2005. So when Colbert interviewed him, as I mentioned, he took the opportunity to get to Spielberg's thoughts on the uh, recent uh, stories regarding UFOs, which are now known mm -hmm. as UAPs. Um, mm -hmm. The response that Spielberg provided was interesting, uh, but mm -hmm. also optimistic. It was. And, I, and I want to get you guys' response to this. So, first, mm -hmm. talking about, uh, so initially he says, I think. What has been coming up recently is fascinating. I don't believe we're alone in the universe. I think it's mathematically impossible that we are the only intelligent species in the cosmos. So, okay. Mm -hmm. So far, so good. Um, at the same time, he says, it also seems impossible that someone would visit us from 400 million light years from here, unless it figures out some way of getting here through wormholes. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So, and this is the part that I think is fascinating and probably only something a Hollywood movie director would come up with like Spielberg is his optimistic theory about what these could be then, because he's now said, look, there's, there's probably intelligent life. They're probably not visiting us because of technological barriers, but right. he said, he suggests instead, quote, what if they're not from an advanced civilization, 300 million light years from here? What mm -hmm. if it's us 500,000 years in the future? that mm -hmm. is coming back to document the second half of the 20th century and into the 21st century, end quote. Which I, I tried to wrap my head around that. It almost yep. it felt like, a, I mean, certainly time travel. That's not so <laughs> radical. I remember postulating that when I was 15, talking to my friends on a school bus ride, like maybe it's us from the future because, you know, okay. back to the future was a thing. But Did you say it like that too? Uh, I might have. It's possible. It's possible. The, the other, you, you won't meet anybody who wants UFOs to exist more than I do, but you're talking about what Spielberg said, which is, mm -hmm. you know, it, there's so, uh, there are so many other habitable planets out there in the universe mm -hmm. that it's, you know, even if there, there's this calculation where you distill it down to habitable and in the Goldilocks zone and whatever. But <laughs> the other variable that I learned from uh, you know, from Carl Sagan and Neil deGrasse Tyson is that time is the other crazy variable. Mm -hmm. They would also have mm -hmm. to exist in this narrow little just blip of a window that we also exist. Ah. That is billions and billions of years Excellent across. Point. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you're saying there's a chance. Exactly. <laughs> there is a chance. It's just so minutely. <laughs> it's so small, so small, so sad. Kathy points out the events mm -hmm. in Star Wars were a long time ago. Yes. I know. So there you yep. go. Maybe that would That's why we never met Han Solo in real life. Yeah. yeah exactly. That's the only reason. <laughs> yes. You know, it would, Poor it us. may account for the fact that as we're going to talk about, there's a lot of these UFO sightings there, and there have been for hundreds of years, mm -hmm. but as Hawking had predicted, no one has, or warned, no one has enslaved us yet. No one has turned us right. into a resource. Mm -hmm. So if it was us or if it was from the future, there'd be a, an interest in keeping us, mm -hmm. you know, without interfering. It's kind of like prime directive in Star Trek. Mm -hmm. Without interfering, allowing us to go on our natural course, keep making sure we're safe and alive come the future because we are, we are that is us, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is interesting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, with, re with regard to whether they uh, would be, uh, if aliens were to visit, they'd be more of the ET or the War of the Worlds variety. Uh, Spielberg said, I believe if any extraterrestrial civilization has journeyed all the way here, it's because of mm -hmm. curiosity and science and not about aggression. And the mm -hmm. fact that they've been this patient with us and haven't turned the earth into a burned out cinder is extraordinary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, agreed. Right. Uh -huh. Right. If you're just coming all this way just yeah. to kill an insignificant little race on this tiny little speck in the corner of the Milky Way galaxy, they're way yeah. easier and more convenient places to dominate on the way here, I'm sure. Right. It's like, we're not that special. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, I saw, I saw, I, I won't be able to quote it or even paraphrase it, but I saw Neil deGrasse Tyson talking about something like that recently where you, you could be an advanced civilization, but the amount of sort of coordination and planning and effort mm -hmm. and resources necessary to come here yeah. <laughs> to take us over is pro probably even beyond, you know, a, a right. smarter. What, and what's to gain, right? Why Unless bother? you just, yeah. yeah, who knows? We ran well, out of our natural resource of humans on our planet that we feast on. <laughs> Must go elsewhere. <laughs> the natural resource of clickbait is now abundant here on Earth, so we're here to harvest it. <laughs> if it was only that. <laughs> hey, okay, so that was 19, speaking of clickbait, uh, I know it doesn't make any sense for a segue. If we were starting the news, it would make more sense. All right, speaking of mm -hmm. ending clickbait, running out of clickbait, there you go. Oh, we ran out. That was 1980s news. <laughs> 
Hey, our independent podcast is brought to you every week by folks just like you. So if you'd like to help us out, please follow us on the podcast platform you're listening to right now. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Share an episode on Facebook. All of these actions just take a moment and are 100% free. But if you'd like to chuck in a buck and help us keep publishing the show week after week, please visit us at 1980snow.com slash support to find out how you can send us a dollar or two. And thank you so much. It means a lot. All right. Hey, as promised, we're going to be mm-hmm. talking about uh, 1980s aliens and, and mm-hmm. or I should say aliens in the 80s and now. There you go. You got both parts of the title covered. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The cat always reminds me of that you know, when, she's, when she's talking about ideas for future episodes. And here's the now part. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I, try, I have to make it more appealing. But we don't have to have a now part, cat. Okay. All right. Sometimes she's like, well, what's the now part? And I'm like, we're talking about it now. Whatever. I wish, I, I wish this wasn't live so I could edit this. This would just Maybe I'll you better stop talking. Jazzins, Jazzins. <laughs> anyway, I'll start all over again. Will <laughs> likes we can edit, so it sounds like he won every argument. <laughs> yeah. Eventually, it's going to sound like, like I'm just by myself. It's going to sound like Cat won this one. Oh, no. Cat oh, yeah. made a joke. Oh, no, so, I have to steal it. <laughs> let's set the context here for some of these things we want to talk to you guys about. Um, mm-hmm. Like I mentioned, alien stories, it turns out, have been around for hundreds of years. But, uh, you know, bringing it up to more modern times, the notion of a flying saucer first began in 1947 when there was this Idaho pilot, Kenneth Arnold, who spotted what he described as a look like if you were skipping a saucer across a lake. Mm. And many mm-hmm. folks think that that's what introduced that phrase into our zeitgeist. And at the time, he said it was a bright blue white, uh, it was glowing bright blue white flying in a V formation. Uh, mm-hmm. He saw it over Washington State's Mount Rainier. Uh, he estimated their flight speed at 1,700 miles per hour. Wow. It was this account that uh, touched off, you know, our widespread and I would say contemporary fascination with UFOs, even though that was uh, some several decades ago at this point. Mm-hmm. But following that, t- two things happened. One, in the real world, we had this thing called Project Blue Book that developed, where the government was actually investigating Mm-hmm. Uh, reported UFO sightings because suddenly they were getting a lot and they requested over the, the time of the lifetime of this project, they investigated 12,000 sightings mm-hmm. and there were only 701 that were left unexplained. Oh, Simultaneously, as you know, life imitates art and art imitates life, pop culture started e- mirroring this fad mm-hmm. uh, using aliens as metaphors for things that were, you know, real life anxieties and fears, including the Cold War and Mm -hmm. nuclear annihilation, which even began back then, communist infiltration. And so Mm -hmm. you start getting films like The Day the Earth Stood Still and Mm -hmm. uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, one that I love. (laughs) I love that one and I love the 70s one too. Pod people. Um, And as a result, you get this feedback loop, right? Which probably exists in Hollywood generally, certainly, but we could point mm-hmm. to this as an example where in our, you know, in, in our quote, real, I'll say quote, real lives, in our real lives, folks are now concerned about, in our <laughs> in real life, such as it's called. Yeah. Well, I think we're in a simulation. <laughs> oh, no. Folks are now concerned about aliens. And so Hollywood's making alien films, which makes people concerned about aliens, which in turn, you know, Hollywood leverages and so on and so forth. One of those loops. Yeah. What I thought was interesting as I learned that throughout this time and actually even beginning, I think like 50 or 100 years before this Kenneth Arnold incident that I told you about, mm-hmm. folks had already report, had reporting or there had been documented uh, accounts of folks saying they had met aliens. Ah. But in those reports and the ones through the 50s and 60s and 70s, into the 70s, I suppose, were always reporting the aliens as being friendly. Just sort of a happenstance kind of, you know, meat cute with a gray or a blue <laughs> alien. And then in the 1980s, it changes. Oh, <laughs> Now we start talking about aliens as abducting us and probing us. Uh, and some of our, you know, <laughs> John looked like he was getting John. probed right now. What happened? His eyes. His eyes. I'm just, I'm remembering a repressed memory. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then, uh, nobody, nobody wants them to exist more than John. John, repress it harder. Repress it harder. 
clench, clench. <laughs> okay, it's gone. Uh, but you, mm-hmm. what John alludes to is, yeah, in the 1980s, a lot of these, quote, abductions were folks recalling something that happened that was a result mm-hmm. of a repressed memory through hypnosis or other means. Uh, there was an anonymous uh, story of an anonymous woman named Susan who was put under hypnosis. Remembered she and her boyfriend had been abducted. Uh, mm-hmm. the, probably the most well-known is a Whitley Strieber who wrote communion. That was a book and then a film starring Christopher uh-huh. Walken, uh, okay. who oh, Betty and Barney Hill. I mean, they, they remembered it consciously and then remembered more detail under mm-hmm. hypnosis. That's well-documented. Right. Oh, wow. Right. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And some folks, uh, some of, some of the, uh, researchers that, uh, and not ufologists, but folks that were talking about, uh, you know, psych- psychological, psycho- psychologists looking into us, like questioning why is in the eighties that suddenly mm-hmm. we're getting abducted where for 150 years prior we had friendly relations with the aliens. And one, one person did suggest that maybe it's because we had new techniques with, uh, with regard to hypnosis and mm. therapy and dealing mm-hmm. with trauma, et cetera. So mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily say whether their experiences were real or not, but maybe how they were coming to light. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, the implication is that they were not real because they were influenced by these other things. But yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, look, I've watched ancient aliens. I know that there are, you know, hieroglyphs and stuff and cave drawings that suggest, you know, what could this mean if nothing else? But it's all implication. You can map. There's always the other outside of your group, whether it's the other Mm -hmm. tribe or it's the other Mm -hmm. nation or it's the other planet. You want to this other at least is at least, you know, it's not your people. Right. So aliens Mm -hmm. are like this, Mm -hmm. this boogeyman you can throw evil on and say that's because of the other, in this case, aliens. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and now we had a new yeah. other. We like, oh, well, now it's UFOs. We hadn't heard of that. That's a new other that we can map our fears onto. Right. Yes, mm-hmm. you're right. And in, in these movies, you know, we're talking about in the 50s, but certainly mm-hmm. in the 80s as well, they become these metaphors for, for you know, mm-hmm. sort of cathartic uh, exercises dealing with these fears, these anxieties. And as a mm-hmm. sort of a matter of the art of it, the, the film really becomes about us, not about the alien. It just, as I think as John's suggesting in part, having this very different creature, even from a whole of the world, we can now compare ourselves to. How, how, what's our yeah. humanity like in the face of this? Our anxieties, our fears. You know, mm-hmm. Are we gonna try to kill this alien? Are we gonna try to rescue it? Uh, right. Can we overcome mm-hmm. these mm-hmm. things? You know? um, so, you know, before the, again, another sort of interesting thing before the eighties is I think you could divide alien movies essentially into two big categories. They were good aliens or they were bad aliens. Uh, <laughs> as when we got the eighties, it became a little more nuanced. You've got subgenres right, behind underneath this science fiction hmm. category okay. where now you've got it mixed with horror or comedy mm-hmm. or fantasy. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I found that there were about, and I think, I, I'm try, I couldn't find my notes about this, but I think there were more alien films in the 1980s than any previous or decades since. Oh. Um, Look at that tracks. Yeah. yeah. John's yeah. Well, going tickety, tickety, tickety. <laughs> he's doing the math. <laughs> yep. Well, in the very least, uh, I came across uh, nearly two dozen films, and I'm talking about mainstream films or films that have since become cult classics. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a ton of B films that you could add to this. Sure. Um, that uh, came out in the 1980s. And we're doing a deep dive on every single one. So buckle <laughs> right. in, folks. Countdown. We're going to do it chronologically. Oh, but man. in half of these, nearly, it's 23 films. In half of these films, the aliens were good, and the other half, they were bad. It was okay. pretty split. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. What I thought was interesting it was, in about 20 of the films, the aliens are visiting here on our planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas in only three films, if we throw close encounters in there, Mm-hmm. Is an alien? Does an alien abduct a human and take them somewhere else? Oh, okay. Okay. So even though we had yeah. this sort of turn about our f- feelings about being abducted and fears, and yeah. I've got to tell you, I was scared in the 1980s, uh, as scared of being abducted by aliens as I was by a stranger with candy. Wow. <laughs> Those seem like equally likely. To so me. are you including films that are science fiction based where mm-hmm. aliens are a presupposition that they exist? Like I'm thinking alien, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is yeah. that in your list of alien films or does that have happened outside the alien abduction genre that you're yeah. looking at? No, those are outside. So I guess it would okay. be films where we've got this fish out of water situation where mm-hmm. uh, aliens are, it's a first encounter type situation. So it's our, okay. I think okay. it's a third sure. encounter. It's our third encounter. Our first contact is what I wanted to mm-hmm. say. Yeah. Which interestingly, we were the aliens in that scenario because we were in, invading oh. their turf yes. or whatever, right? They're the region of space. So we were the invaders really, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm, tangent, mm-hmm. I'll let you continue. 
Oh. <laughs> Keith, Keith says, so when is the Brady Bunch episode with the UFO and Munchkin aliens coming? Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that, right? Well, there was a, and didn't right. he write it off as a dream or something? Oh. Never saw that one. Mm. Really? Oh, oh, oh you know what? There was a Gilligan's Island, I think, like that too, where have UFO oh. came. Kathy asks, were you scared of nuclear war in Russia? Yeah, I was scared of everything, mm-hmm. Kathy. But <laughs> rightfully so. We were told to be afraid of these things. Yeah, right. Anyway, so yeah. No, John, uh, look, I'm not going to go through all these. E.T., The Thing, Starman, V, the TV movie V. We were talking mm-hmm. about Diana yeah. on that. Yeah, yeah. I-, I was scared we would be food. Absolutely. <laughs> were you guys not concerned about aliens being a threat to us? I, I wasn't. No? I didn't. No. I, I'm not saying that they can't exist or don't. That's not it. But I just didn't really include them as something to really be concerned about. I was entertained mm-hmm. by them in yep. media, but I I wasn't worried. I just felt like it was fiction mm-hmm. or something I didn't have to worry about. So I didn't mm-hmm. think it was fiction, Kat, but I was also not afraid. Like I told you, mm-hmm. nobody wants UFOs to exist more than me. Like <laughs> I watch Little Nimoy hosting uh-huh. In search of every time it came on. I still yes. watch reruns of that. I have mm-hmm. every volume of mm-hmm. Time Life's Mysteries of the Unknown book series. Ah. I love Bigfoot. I'm a crypto, yes. you know, biology nut. Yeah. All that cool <laughs> stuff I want to exist. I have seen uh-huh. no proof of it, but I want it to because it's just so it. far outside of the norm. And I think the discovery mm-hmm. of something like that, I thought this more in my youth, maybe not so more than I'm a little jaded, but uh-huh. discovery of a genuine someone mm-hmm. outside of our planet has the potential to congeal all mm-hmm. of the disparate factions on the earth because now uh-huh. Uh-huh. it's not just like, oh, you're a slightly different shade of pink than me. It's like, yeah. right. there's other people that aren't pink at all, any color. Right. They are an amorphous <laughs> blob of spikes and death, right? So now yeah. we have to come together. <laughs> I just wish that was true. Some kind of a thing to unite around. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So John, yeah. you're saying when you were a kid, even you were, had hopes that they would be real. What was mm-hmm. what scenario did you imagine? Are they coming and they're peace loving? They're offering a cure for cancer and a... And to nuclear proliferation. Just their existence. Confirmation of an existence outside of us becomes eye-opening. It it tears down all of these social constructs that were built around humanity being the center of the universe and says, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh you're an insignificant also-ran. Now would you like to rethink how you deal with the world and the planet and other people? Oh, you, so you wanted humility. Yes. I like that. I like that. Okay, bring on the aliens. <laughs> when I was a kid, like you, John, I guess I was more optimistic and hopeful in this regard. Like I always imagined the right person could negotiate peace in the Middle East, which we always heard about that being, you know, sort mm-hmm. of existential right. threat yeah. is the potential violence in that region. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I ever thought aliens would bring us together. No. Uh, really? yeah. Craig says he wasn't afraid of aliens, but what he was afraid of was sleaze stacks. <laughs> God damn sleaze stacks. Oh, Craig's gone. Craig just lost. It kind of freaks me out too. Yeah. That's all for Craig. Come back, Craig. It's okay. It's just John. (laughs) Relax, dude. It's just me. Uh, I'll just rattle through this list here quickly. Buckaroo Bonsai, Critters, Cocoon, Maximum Overdrive, Flight of the Navigator, Howard the Duck, Invaders from Mars, Predator, The Hidden. I love The Hidden. I'm surprised they haven't redone The Hidden yet. What? Howard the Duck was a humorous inclusion. Yes, it's I know an it alien. Counts. I know it counts. Here. I know it counts, but it's just. Uh, like I said, some of these are comp. Look, this is what I'm talking about. All this subgenres in here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Where did I go? A battery's not included. Killer clowns from mm-hmm. outer space. They live. Alien nation. My mother is an alien. My stepmother is an alien, rather. Earth girls are easy. Mac and me, the blob, and communion I have on here. Interestingly enough, about five or six mm-hmm. of these are throwbacks or remakes of 1950s films. So just like we talked oh, about before, yeah, yeah. the 80s mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. A lot of folks were taking a chance to do over the fifties. Yeah. You're talking movies. I see Keith in the chat calling out Alf. Yeah, he needs his, his respect. That's uh, plenty of TV yeah. shows too. Yeah, yeah. And Mork and Mindy was mentioned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, I was limiting it to, to, to movies, but yeah, to plenty of TV mm-hmm. shows. Mm-hmm. I just want to point out, Marcus says yeah. aliens won't make him like other people. <laughs> but not they might make the other people like yeah. him. You know, oh, there you are. it's there not you a one go. way street. So uh-huh. yeah. maybe they'll come around to appreciating his right. gruff exterior. There you never you know. Go. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, regardless of how, how many of these you've seen is once again, it's time to play. Oh, gotta be fucking kidding. <laughs> mm. Oh boy. All right. So <laughs> yikes. I have got, so two of the films I mentioned, there are E.T. and Mac and me. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I've got 10 f- Facts. I don't know if that sounds a little strong. Ten the things same movie. All right. that happened in these films. 
Yeah. I want you to tell me whether it was E.T. or Mac and me or both. Okay. okay. All, all right. right. We could just go back and forth here. Okay. John, so, uh, this is going to be all you. <laughs> <laughs> it's really? been so long. You want to just put John seen... in the spot hot seat here? Cat? You... <laughs> no, no, no. You're, you're, you're sharing the pain, cat. <laughs> all right. We'll just go back. No, and forth I want to play. I want right. to play. It's right, just we'll been so long since I've seen E.T. And I don't know if I saw Mac and me. So. Just well, if you've seen E.T., you don't need to see Mac and me. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's the, it, it's the, will it happen in both is going to be the puzzler because I'm not that familiar with Mac and me. E.T., right. Mac mm-hmm. and me, or both. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kat, we'll start with you. Okay. An alien is left behind. Oh. E.T. Um, I don't know about Mac oh, and me. Both, oh, I guess. Oh, no. Again, John. if you've seen one, you've seen them both. You can guess that the alien was left behind. McAmey was a, yeah. a copy of E.T. John, okay. the alien is rescued by a family in California without a father in the home. That is so damn specific, you lawyer. Like, does every little nugget of that, like, no, it's, it's actually in, in Seattle. It's not a trick. It's I know what happened in E.T., Okay. I know what happened in E.T. So I'm just going to say E.T. just on the hope okay. that one of those little details didn't happen in Mac and me. So there you go. No, it's identical. They're both oh identical. See, I told you, Kat, wow. they're the same damn movie. Kat, You'd think they'd change a few things. The boy that finds the alien, Kat, mm-hmm. is in a wheelchair. Oh, I don't, Elliot was not in a wheelchair. Mac and me. Yes, Mac and me, right. <laughs> and John, the alien loves Skittles. Mac and me. That's right. But they both look. <laughs> There's Reese's look. Pieces here yes. on Earth on yep. the real movie of E.T. Different product placement. <laughs> on the real movie. Uh, Cat, the alien, oh, sorry, the, the boy takes the alien into the wilderness so he can phone home. Um, well, definitely E.T. Okay. I'm a little scared <laughs> if I'm not saying both, but I'm just going to say E.T. <laughs> oh. Oh, no. Ridiculous carbon copy. Unbelievable. Dis- John, they disguised wow. the alien in a costume. Oh. What a. Oh. It would be ridiculous to copy all that other detailed stuff and not copy the most general thing possible, like, yeah. like hiding the alien somehow. Like, so I'm. And he didn't say. The giveaway is you didn't say Halloween costume. So I'm going to say it was both. That's right, both. Wow. Yes. I'm not Jeez. as tricky as all this. He was cringy. Uh, cat, a car <laughs> chase leads the alien to reveal he has superpowers. Oh, oh heck, I'll just say both. <laughs> yeah, that's right, both. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, Told you. John, it features an extended <laughs> dance number. <laughs> Mac and me. <laughs> that's right. It's so awful, too. Oh my gosh. I have to see this. Cat, <laughs> don't. No, you don't. You don't, no. seriously. It's one of those things. <laughs> Oh boy! The the, the, uh, the 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 dance number happens at a McDonald's. It's like four and a half minutes long. Uh-huh. Slowly but surely, all the customers start getting involved. Uh, the alien Mac is in a costume at this point, dressed like a teddy bear, I think. Okay. He starts like break dancing on the counter of the, um, of the McDonald's. It's terrible. <laughs> Is it he should have gotten dressed up as a fry guy. Yeah. That was a mis- product oh. placement. Oh, right. Yes, he's the right height and everything. Or a hamburger yeah. or whatever. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hamburger was a little tall. Uh, fry guy would uh, work. Grimace, Cat, yeah, yeah, yeah. Grimace is too bulky. Cat, the boy who saves the alien almost dies. Oh, I'm going to say both. That's right. Uh, uh, and John, finally, the alien returns home. I'm going to say both. Only oh, an E.T. No. Oh, and Mac, and me. Mac and me ended. <laughs> and Mac yeah. and me, his parents oh. come back. So we got full-sized aliens with this they're, they're horrible looking costumes. Oh. And by the end of the film, they're getting sworn in as U.S. citizens. Is that how it <laughs> ended? And they drive yeah. off in a car together and a little bubble appears saying, we'll be back. They were so not back. So I don't know that I made it to the end of Mac and me. I know I've seen I it. Not. I don't know that I've seen it to the end. Because <laughs> no, you didn't did see it. them get <laughs> sworn in and drive away. I definitely don't remember that at all. <laughs> Man. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, Mac and Me was created by producer R.J. Lewis, who had produced prior to that The Karate Kid. Oh. And thought, mm-hmm. I am on a roll here, fellas. Mm. Come on, let's go. What do you want to do next? And he thought, <laughs> the way he explains it is, I wanted to give back to society. And he had done a lot of work with McDonald's. And so he wanted to do a film that would allow him to contribute the profit to the Ronald McDonald house. Ah. So he got he got the uh, the vendor who provided the hamburgers and lettuce and onions and, and secret sauce to McDonald's. McDonald's was their only customer to invest in this film. <laughs> uh-huh. He got McDonald's. It's the only film ever McDonald's let them use their brand in it. 
So they have this scene at the McDonald's. Ronald McDonald, the actor who plays Ronald McDonald in the 80s commercials, is uh-huh. in the movie. Did you ever oh. see a Ronald McDonald in the McDonald's? I never have. <laughs> no, never in person. <laughs> There's one there, dancing no. along. You ever had a birthday number. party at McDonald's where Ronald oh. was there? Oh, yeah, that's true. You're right. That's true. Right? Oh. I was going to say, you missed out on a big chunk of 80s childhood if you yeah. didn't do that I, once. Yeah, I, I never did either. Yeah. No. Uh, it opened Aww. August 12th, 1988 against a who framed Roger Rabbit big and die hard. <laughs> it grossed a meager $6 million and vanished two weeks later. Well, that's what happened because I was seeing who framed Roger Rabbit. <laughs> anyway. Hey, I, I want to tell you guys before we, we uh, before we wrap up here, we got a few minutes here, this real true story. So look, in the 1950s, we talked about this. And forty after 47, all these stories of sightings kicked up. In the 1980s, something similar happened where we had folks mm-hmm. uh, citing aliens. Something different happened, however, throughout the 40s mm-hmm. and 50s and 60s with this Project Blue Book, at least initially, the government mm-hmm. was taking these uh, sightings seriously. Mm-hmm. What happened after, according according to uh, J. Allen Hynek, who was part of the, he was the science advisor on Project Blue Book. And according to Jerome Clark, who's a ufologist who I interviewed, who wrote a book about UFOs in the 1980s, yeah, the yeah. government, it seemed, made a switch. And they started to instead discredit and dismiss UFO sightings mm-hmm. as silly nonsense. Everyone's crazy. Wow. Uh, but in spite of that, mm-hmm. so so unlike in the 40s when folks were treating these as serious news stories, in the 80s, they were largely dismissed. There was one, though, that this one dust up regarded as the Hudson Valley flap that the local reporters <laughs> certainly took seriously. Uh, so I can almost just as a true crime, I can imagine like New Year's Eve, 1982. Oh boy, yes, here we go. Yes. But I'm not going to. But uh, so the Hudson oh, Valley is an is area- Is there a parrot of, in the story at all? As I need to know up front. We already talked no, dead the, fish, no, we need the parrot, we're good. The food is raw human, <laughs> consumed by aliens. Oh. Um, so New Year's Eve in 1982 in the Hudson Valley, which is an area about two hours north of uh, New York City, Mm-hmm. Um, a retired police officer reported seeing a V-shaped object with multiple mm-hmm. colored lights gliding almost silently over his property. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think he says it's only a couple hundred feet above him. It's not you know, terribly high as far as aircraft go. Soon, mm-hmm. many other people come forward saying they saw the same thing. And by March 23rd of 1983, a few months later, a, no- mm-hmm. a local newspaper was running a front page feature describing crowds of people claiming that they'd also seen this triangular object that was described wow. as being as large as a football field. The One of those witnesses, world. yeah, this, yeah, this giant object. Some folks wow. said it looked as big as a jet airliner. Other folks said mm-hmm. it was a large as a football field. Um, mm-hmm. Seemed to be a boomerang or a V or a triangular shape. Uh, one of the witnesses was an off-duty, was an on-duty rather police officer who testified he had seen the object twice in the forty in a forty-five minute period after mm-hmm. his department received over one hundred calls about it. Huh. He described it as this in the same way as others, including the fact that it seemed to stop midair, turn mm-hmm. perpendicularly, and then zoom out of view. Mm-hmm. At no point, so this is what I'm talking about, sort of anomalous in the 1980s. At no point. Was any of this reporting, uh, was there any suggestion that people were making up the stories or had mm-hmm. misidentified something? They were mm-hmm. taking at their word. There's too oh. many folks to deny it that it seems yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. Um, as the story gets out, uh, by November of 1983, people just flock there now hoping to see this. And many people do. Mm. Uh, and the sightings continue to go on for uh, another year or so. I think it goes into 84. Wow. And journalists, you know, fan out to try to explore the possibility of what this could be other than extraterrestrials, right? They're going to try to rule everything mm-hmm. out. Right. Yeah. Yep. And they briefly think they have found uh, an, a non-alien explanation. In mm-hmm. June of 84, the Poughkeepsie Journal spoke to witnesses who accused stunt pilots oh. uh, with small aircraft of flying over the region in a close V-shaped formation. Mm-hmm. Um, they even spoke to a police officer who claimed to have followed the planes back to a local airport and had spoken to one of the pilots who had, who had uh, admitted to pulling off the hoax. Hmm. But these pilots were never named. No, no journalist could ever find any of these pilots. Yeah, yeah. And the, uh, the uh, paper made a point of, of recluding rebuttals from witnesses who said they couldn't possibly be planes. What I saw, the way they were turning, they were in right. synchronous. They hardly made a sound. 
you know, including folks who were uh, huh. aviation experts that said, no, I know planes. This couldn't be planes. John? It was right. swamp gas. It was a weather balloon. It was an aurora borealis. It was uh-huh. anything but, right? They, they yeah. Everything that I ever saw in the 80s was about debunking in some form mm-hmm. or fashion. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Oh, are we, are we bunking again? Debunking? No, we're debunking this time. We're de- <laughs> okay. <laughs> we bunked last time. We're debunking. Oh, is that it? Yeah. Uh, so in August of that year, uh, the same newspaper covered the first ever UFO convention to take place in the Hudson Valley area. Had more than 500 people attended. And J. Allen Hynek, who I mentioned was the former uh, science advisor to Project uh, Blue Book, was the, uh, what do you call it, keynote speaker. And he had left mm-hmm. uh, Project Blue Book over disagreements of how they were handling these things. I think including the fact that they had started to, you know, suggest mm-hmm. that people were nuts for seeing UFOs. Ah. Uh, there was also another speaker who threw cold water on the idea that a small group of Cessna airplanes could be responsible for doing everything that happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So sightings of this massive triangular object trail off and ended. And for the most part, mm-hmm. those claiming to have seen a UFO or at this time are continued to be met with skepticism and, you know, mm-hmm. derision. Mm-hmm. That is cat until the now portion of this story. Oh, if you're, sure you're familiar, we made it. If you're familiar, you guys, I know John probably remembers this because it was the day he was like, I knew it! In 2017, the New York Times broke a story uh, that $22 million of the military's $600 billion budget funded a nearly clandestine program that investigated UFOs, now known as UAPs. Uh, What does that stand for now, the UAP? It's an unidentified aerial phenomenon. Oh, nice. Something like that. Yeah, I think that's right. Mm-hmm. Well, the idea is that that unidentified flying object implies that there is an object where unidentified right. aerial phenomenon uh, means, oh, mm-hmm. it could be swamp gas. It could right. be, it's just something in the sky mm-hmm. that uh-huh. is a phenomenon. The man, the man, Phenomenon. Yes. So it turns out for years, the uh, the Department of Defense had this uh, division, the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program that investigated reports of unidentified flying objects mm-hmm. run by a military intelligence official uh, in the, uh, they described the f- fifth floor of the Pentagon C-ring deep within the building's maze. Mm. Even though the, the <laughs> Department of Defense said that the program was shut down, backers of the program said it had continued to investigate the episodes brought to mm-hmm. them by uh, service members. Huh. And then more recently, as you folks mm-hmm. know, we've had a, in the last couple of years, the government mm-hmm. come out and confirm videos that were otherwise leaked uh, uh-huh. that had been made by uh, you know, Air Force pilots and others, uh, confirmed some of them, but they certainly confirmed the existence and they confirmed, uh, you know, that as, as far as what they know, it wasn't some sort of uh, visual phenomenon, that there really was mm-hmm. something there. And in most cases, they weren't sure what. Which doesn't mm-hmm. instantly... V- validate that it was extraterrestrial, but just that they could not explain it away with something yes. that wasn't right. absolutely unbelievable bullshit, right? Which right. often happened when Blue Book was in in, uh, in force. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think the mm-hmm. most interesting one was a video that shows a glinting triangular object moving about the sky, mm. which sounds, at least by the description, to be very similar to the one that we just talked about in the Hudson Valley mm. flap. Mm-hmm. Um, as of August 2021, the Pentagon resurrected a UAP investigations arm. It's no more a secret that the, that, that, uh, the military has this. Um, it is directed to, quote, to detect, analyze, and catalog UAPs that could potentially pose a threat to U.S. national s- security. Yeah, that's just it. It's because even if it's not alien, it, yeah. it behooves the government to identify what it is. Because what if it's an what if it's an external force? You know, what yeah. if it's right. North Korea developed a cigar-shaped floaty thing that could turn fast? You know, mm-hmm. we need to know mm-hmm. what it is instead of just go, "You're crazy. It's nothing." Yeah. Right, right, yeah, you know? yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. I suppose in their defense, they may have taken it seriously, but didn't want us to know that they did. For whatever reason, you know, that argument that maybe uh, citizens are not uh, yeah, ready to hear. Prevent panic. Yeah, the, the yeah. public is not prepared for the truth, kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Now I wonder. Because we were talking about alien films uh, in the 1980s mm-hmm. and, and often how they are used as a metaphor, you know, to express mm-hmm. uh, some other more worldly uh, anxiety, fear, etc. Mm-hmm. If we have confirmation, like John hopes, mm-hmm. that aliens exist and are visiting our planet, mm-hmm. does that change? Are we able to have these alien films anymore? I mean, ooh. I think 100%. Yeah. I've, I've thought about it. <laughs> because now now it changes the complexion of every film before. Okay. Sure. But- Let's say tomorrow, 
Mm-hmm. There's a, a new race of aliens called, let's say the, the Muppets. Okay, just make up a name that's, that's non-violent. <laughs> but they're called the Muppets. Coincidentally, just like Jim Henson's creation, they're called the Muppets. Whatever they look like. Lawsuits coming. But as soon as, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Listen, I saw the Happy Time murders. They have way bigger problems than me talking about the Muppets. Oh. <laughs> uh, anyway, but as soon as you now establish that is also part of the norm, Mm-hmm. Well, now you can do stories that are just not us or the Muppets. There's still uh-huh. always an external unknown. Mm-hmm. You know, you can have that. Uh, was it uh, was it Alien Nation? Was that the film where Sam Francisco got on the police force and they drank the curdled milk? Was that like right. with yes. the integrate, Ooh. right? Yep. So it's uh-huh. a whole alien species that's now integrated with us. Mm-hmm. You're still going to have stories of the other that are not the two of us, right? It's not the Muppets, it's not humans. There's the other crazy aliens. So it would change (laughs) because now that it has more credence because we know there are other life forms out there. Mm. Now it just Mm. becomes more powerful fiction. Right. Interesting. I think so. Yeah. 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 I guess, I guess it's the same like saying we knew, we know dinosaurs existed. What they looked like, we're not necessarily right on, but we have films about those still running amok. Yeah. Time travel, same thing. Like if time travel were invented tomorrow, yeah, it doesn't mm-hmm. eliminate time travel stories. It just yeah. makes them have more gravi- gravitas and more sure. weight. Yeah, because yeah, like, yeah. oh, that really could happen. Oh, no. Right. John wants to be in the writing room. <laughs> <laughs> Put him in the writing room. Yes. <laughs> I think it's probably just a function of my age now. You know, having, so we've talked about this before growing up in the era that we did. And, but being the age I am now that I, I certainly, I, I don't fear these things anymore. I almost expect That's that they're going to happen eventually. And I think maybe the 1980s prepared me for that. Mm-hmm. All of these things, but I did get a text, a panic text from my daughter because you know one of these oh. current news stories was, uh, was like a Pentagon official believes that a mothership is in our galaxy. Did you see that story? Oh no, I didn't yes. see that. Yes, yeah. I saw uh, uh, that. That's great it. news. When, <laughs> John, I think John's an John alien. John is definitely an alien. <laughs> my huh. family Let me just put his poker face on. You can't prove an alien. You can't prove that I'm not part of the advanced force that is preparing us for aliens, but I'm not mm-hmm. an alien. I think I can <laughs> prove it because you, I know your tongue functions unlike human tongues because you oh. have the ability to taste salt in certain areas. That different places. I know. Yeah, different places. Right, right over here, umami. But the story, <laughs> umami slash, what was it? Uh, Funyuns. Uh, but the story, <laughs> when, when you read into the story, it says, you know, that there's the, the probability or possibility that uh, mm-hmm. there's a mothership out there. And I think they even, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know what, I'll leave it at that. But my daughter texts me mm-hmm. this article, like, what, what now? Like for her, it's this thing Aww. where it's, you know, earth shattering. And right, I just wrote right. back to her like I do on so many of these stories. We did, we went through this in the 1980s. They've been telling us <laughs> since the 1980s, these things were going to happen. I'm kind of just over it. And if it happens, we'll be fine. Oh, we won't. <laughs> so Will's text back was finally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. finally. That, that's you. That's you texting your daughter. Finally. Yeah. <laughs> finally. Well, you know, there was a, this is probably just any teenager, right? Growing up. There was a period of time when you're a teen and you think I got to be from another planet, right, man? I, I don't vibe with any of these other people. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly not my family. Oh yeah. That's where I'm, I'm an alien. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> talking about all right. I just thought it was adopted. Yep. That's all. <laughs> yeah, I took it to another place. Yeah. All right. Hey, that is the show. Oh. And our show is brought to you every week. Thanks in part to our early adopters like Kathy Burke, who is here with us this whole time. And Rick Parker and Karen Fleeker. And thank you especially to our secret of our success level Patreon supporters like John Henderson and Craig Coletta and Marcus Taylor, who is also here with us tonight. And Tony Great. Great. And... Brad Bowman, who is also here Yay, tonight. That's right. Way to go, Brad. Spread the love. Yeah. <laughs> and I am pleased to announce that even since our last episode, we've got two new folks joining us as patrons. Yep. Uh, say hello to Nate Wallace. We know Yay. Nate. Hello, He's Nate been a long time a Facebook contributor and listener of the show. I confirm that folks do call him Nate, even though we see him as Nathan on the comments there. I'm going to have a hard time with that to me. <laughs> He's Nathan Wallace. And he said everyone calls him Nate. So I'm going to do that now too, Nate. Uh, okay. And Nick Guillory as well has joined us. Uh, wow. And uh, Nick is, I, I think I shared with you guys, he, he had uh, written us saying his favorite episode is the, uh, what was it? Uh, Love Lessons Learned in, rom, in 80s Rom-Coms and suggested yes. a similar show about 80s songs. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's right. do that. Let's do so, it. Yeah, we're going to do that. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Nate yeah. and Nick, for joining us. It's so very much appreciated. And uh, 
uh, Grant Tada for you too as well. And speaking of uh, Brad and Marcus, because uh, uh, mm-hmm. look, there's plenty of ways to support the show. Uh, if you if you aren't able to become a patron, mm-hmm. share a comment, send us an email. Uh, along those lines, even though these two gentlemen happen to be patrons, um, Brad and Marcus both sent us, uh, following our cocaine bear story, Oh, this news headline, coked up Wilds serval cat leaps from owner's car after arrested in Cincinnati. Oh An exotic goodness. cat named Amory, Amory <laughs> tested positive for cocaine. Oh, <laughs> man. Now, unlike the bear we oh. talked about, the, co- the cocaine cat's heart didn't explode. <laughs> So this could have done some damage, maybe. It said it mm-hmm. well, leapt from the car. Yes. <laughs> well, but and, and did what though? Leapt from the car and uh, attacked someone, captured. or went yeah, running well, because I, I went up a tree. Super paranoid because he was on coke. It <laughs> went up a tree. I saw it in a tree, and then oh, okay. somebody decided to get it down. Yeah. And and then in, in that process, the poor thing broke its leg. <laughs> so it's oh. being rehabbed. It didn't feel it. Don't worry. <laughs> Yeah, good, yeah. Point. good point. Uh, and Marcus also oh. sent us following our secret cover songs episode. He actually sent us the, uh, oh. if you me- remember, I mentioned that I would love to have seen the Prince and Shaka Khan moment where they performed a feel for you together in concert. Oh my he, he found yeah. the clip because we know he's a what? master of doing that. And he sent us a link to the video on YouTube and he wrote wow. the whole set is worth the time, but I feel for you is at about nine minutes and 10 seconds in. And it is Ooh. fantastic. Does not. Will you is that something you can throw down in the show notes? For me Ooh. and anyone else who care to see it? Yes, very good. I will put that in the show notes along with uh, That'd be anything cool. else down below. Yeah. All right. It. Please send me yep. an email. I really want just one. Just one. Somebody send me an email. Okay? <laughs> All right. Cat. K A T. Where's my phone? I'm going to do it right now. now.com. <laughs> All right. Next time, a cat will have received an email and we'll read it on uh, on the show. Uh, <laughs> when we talk to you next time on the show. <laughs> on the show. It's all going in. <laughs> hey, we will talk to you next time on 1980s Now. Until next time. Nanu, nanu. This podcast is part of the 80s Ruled Network. Visit the 80s Ruled on Facebook for more 1980s awesomeness.